This reading is taken from Genesis chapter 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Make everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will not be ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves and so can my brother Benjamin that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honour accorded me in Egypt, and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him weeping, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards his brothers talked with him. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and, in you, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, do this, take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives and get your father and come. Never mind about your own belongings because the best of Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded, and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father. Ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they were leaving, he said to them, Don't quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die.
Good evening. This evening we're looking at Genesis 45, this wonderful title, The Beauty of Grace. So let's pray that God will speak to all of us. Lord, please help me to teach this passage well, but most of all, will you speak to each one of us and apply the lessons here to ourselves. For Christ's sake. Amen. Now in this story we come to the climax of the story. We know what's happened so far. The uh, Joseph's brothers have sold him uh, out to be a slave after first thinking of killing him. He's imprisoned and then he's released after he answers Pharaoh's dreams and he's made the viceroy of the country. There's a famine and in the end his brothers have to come down to Egypt to get some food. And Joseph recognised them but they didn't recognise him. Look at 42 verse 8. Now as we re read on we're just waiting for the climax to come. The resolution. What's going to happen? There's a tension here. It's a bit like if you've got a dominant seventh in music. You're just waiting for the resolution. And it's coming. Now there are three lessons that we can learn from this passage. The first thing is about us. We are very much emotional people, as this passage shows. But what place should emotions have in controlling us? The next lesson is about God. We have a provident God who's in total control. What does this mean? And the third lesson is about God's forgiveness. So it's a great passage. Well, let's look firstly about us. We've been made by God as emotional people. You know, we feel sad, we feel joy, we get angry. These are all emotions. And you look at this story. Uh, the sons of Jacob were full of fear when they're taken to Joseph's home. Then uh, Joseph is deeply moved when he sees his young brother Benjamin. Uh, 44.13, you feel the tension when Joseph's personal cup is found in Benjamin's sack. And then, as we saw last week, 44.18, you see the courage of Judah as at last he stands up and does what's right. Then Joseph, he can't hold his emotions in. You see that at the beginning of our chapter. And then the brothers, they're full of dismay. Well, this time uh, Joseph orders everybody to leave. All the Egyptians have to leave this big room. Uh, and he confronts his brothers alone. You can imagine again, what's going to happen? They're the... Uh, it's quite a tense moment. Emotions running very high. And there's Joseph. He's choking up. The brothers are terrified. 
Will they be killed? Will they be imprisoned? Fear is a giant emotion. But like all emotions, they must be held in check. It's a disaster for people to let their emotions control their lives. Verse 2. Look, Joseph weeps loudly. Can you imagine the scene? The Prime Minister weeping publicly. There's his brash self-confidence. It's gone. <laughs> I love the thought of the Egyptians just outside listening in to what's going on and just thinking what, what's happening in there? Well what can we learn from this? I think they're very important lessons that certain matters should only be dealt with in private. This is a very practical thing especially when emotions are high there's a danger of us saying things that should never be said. We've all seen this in our family. I hate you, some child says. You never talk about things like that outside. Personal matters should stay personal. If they're talked about too much, they can do immense harm. You see, if the servants were present when Joseph talks to his brothers, it very quickly become clear that they were the ones who'd sold him as a slave and anger would rise up. What would they do, these wretched foreigners, despicable people? You can just see the racialism mounting. I think Joseph's being very wise. He's keeping private things private. It's so easy for us to say when we're bad, badly treated, oh, how despicable that person is. What they've done is awful. And make sure that as many people as, know, as can know about this problem. No, that's wrong. Joseph protects his brothers, just as a, a wise father or a wise mother protects their son, their child. They're not going to talk about all their failings because they get back. The damage is done. Now, the love shown here by Joseph is exemplary. Love covers a multitude of sins. It covers them up. We don't talk about everything. Don't malign people, particularly your own family. Slander is an injury that's very hard to undo. There's a lovely story of a, uh, a man in a village in medieval times who was very prone to see the faults in other people and to, to tell people about it. Uh, but one day he said something unkind and unfair about another person in the village and this was shown to be wrong. Well, he felt a bit bad and he went to see the local monk and asked what he should do. And the monk said, uh, you must pay a penance. Go and fill a, a bag full of feathers and then go around the village and place a feather on the doorstep of every house. 
The man did this. He went back to the monk and said, I've fulfilled the penance that you ordered. Oh, no, no, said the monk. No, now you must go round and pick them all up again. But the man said, that's impossible. The wind will have blown the feathers around. I won't be able to do it. Just so, said the monk. You see, it's the same with gossip and with slander. Once words have been dropped, it's extremely difficult to get them back again. Learn not to do it. Well, now in our story, we come to this climax. It's wonderful. Joseph says in private to his brothers, I am Joseph. He says it in Hebrew. And then he goes on. Is my father still living in Hebrew? Wow. Now the truth is dawning on these brothers. This is the person they tried to kill. They sent us a slave. Oh dear. And in that society, such crimes would have a capital punishment. Can you just imagine the fear going on the brothers? But it's at this point that Joseph's grace shines through. He says to the brothers, come closer. I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now, again, he said that in Hebrew. No one else knew this. Now we've got to the real climax, because it's at this point that Joseph speaks peace into his brother's hearts. Isn't it lovely? We are emotional people, but we've got to learn to control it and to learn to help others. Well, let's go on to this next big point about God's providence. It's so important. God can control, God does control everything that happens. Joseph's life is a classic example of this. His brothers sold him into slavery because they didn't want their dreams to be fulfilled of them bowing down to Joseph, their young brother. But God was in charge. He took their evil actions to give Joseph the authority that he wanted him to have. Today, we tend to vent our anger, our animosity against those who've done us harm. And this is the reason that we tend to favour others and shun some people, hold grudges. It's particularly bad today. In the old days, people did believe in God's providence, and this had a great protective effect on society. Providence means it's God who provides. You see, Joseph looked beyond his brothers. He looked to God as an explanation for the suffering that he'd endured. He didn't look to Pharaoh for the blessings and benefits he'd received. No, he looked to God. It is God who is sovereign. Isn't that a lovely idea? 
It's so important for us to realise that God is in control of our lives. When we think like this, God is punishing us, God is guiding us, God is rewarding us. We can endure everything that goes on, all our afflictions, getting old, facing death. It's all in God's control. I don't know if you noticed as we had that reading made, there are three recurring statements. Verse 5, verse 7 and verse 8. Verse 5, God sent me ahead of you. Verse 7, God sent me ahead of you. And verse 8, it was not you who sent me here, but God. They meant it for evil, but God overcame it. It is a mystery. How do you balance these two things? Sin is sin and we are culpable for everything we do. Those brothers were culpable before God. But God can use it. God can use our sin even for the advancement of his kingdom. Calvin in his institutes wrestled with this problem and he drew the analogy of a corpse that was putrefying and giving off an awful odour. And he says this corpse, its decay is stirred up by the sun's rays. But no one says that the, the sun's rays stink. No, there's a difference. All the evil was in Joseph's brothers. But God used that for good. Now, this, this doctrine is very reassuring. Providence brings us comfort when we are facing all sorts of sorrows. You see, safety is not the absence of problems, it's the presence of God. We're all going to face fears, dangers, but we can face them with great, great peace. Joseph had this attitude. I've little doubt that he slept just as well in the prison as he did in the palace, because he knew that God was in control. It's a wonderful lesson. Today, people are worried so much about so many things. It's said that in 2013, of the 60 million people in this country, 8.2 million suffered from anxiety. See, worry is a frame of mind where we're giving in to our fears. We're letting our emotions run away with us. Drugs are not the answer. Whether it's COVID-19, the Russians, North Korea, China, the EU, Iran, politics, who's going to be the next president, God is in control. The next lesson is that actually it keeps us humble. See, we all have joys and successes at times in life, but these are all gifts from God. And Paul, with all the social and academic advantages that he'd received, he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. 
For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you didn't? Everything we have is a gift from God. There's no place, therefore, for pride or boasting. Now let's get back to our third main point. It's about forgiveness. You'd expect Joseph to be pleased to be able to uh, make his brothers pay for all the wrong that they'd done, done to him. Huh. They deserve what they get, would be what many people would say. But people do change. Just look down in your Bible at 42.21. The brother said, surely we're being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress had come on, has come on us. Yeah, that's true. And Reuben added, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? They didn't know that Joseph understood them when they said this. And we learnt last week that Joseph had been testing his brothers to see whether they really had changed. Had they repented? Would they treat Benjamin the same way as they treated him? It was this change of heart that surely made Joseph weep when he saw it in his brothers. They'd acknowledge their sin. They wouldn't desert Benjamin. Uh, he'd put them through a pretty tough process to discover the real truth about them. He kept reminding them, he kept testing them. And God does the same with us. He deals with us according to where we are. When we sin against him, God will let us know there will be a price to pay. But he does love us behind everything else. Well, Joseph allowed his brothers to be humbled, but he, he didn't carry it to excess. Here his love shines through. There's no sin that's too big to be forgiven. Is it wonderful? The Bible's full of this. Hebrews 8.12 I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Gone. In the Old Testament, Isaiah 43.25 I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Gone. So if Satan keeps reminding you of your imperfections, all the sins you've done wrong, your weaknesses, the guilt, the worries, then Learn to take it to the Lord in prayer and then leave these problems with him. Let him take the weight off your shoulders. He longs for us to know his grace and his peace. And just as Joseph could show this to his brothers, so the Lord Jesus longs for us to experience this joy and peace of forgiveness. The past is gone. If you're worried about your health, your personal circumstances, your family, 
take them to the Lord. Leave them with him. Don't grab them back again. Leave them. He really does love you. He loves me. And it gives us great strength and confidence. You look at Genesis 45, 14 and 15. It's a lovely picture of the type of love that Jesus has for each one of us. And Joseph, and he kissed his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Isn't that a lovely picture of a real communion, a warmth, a friendship? The gulf that had been created by sin had gone. So many of us as Christians today, we do feel hard done by. We tend to hold grudges against other people. But let's learn to behave like Jesus and open our arms to people who've done us wrong. The difficulty is actually it's quite easy not to address these issues, although that's what God wants us to do. We can, like John, Bun John Bunyan, his Christian on the way to the Eternal City, he found the, the going on the way quite tough. His feet got sore and he didn't enjoy wrestling against uh, the temptations and the problems. And then he saw uh, nearby was a place called Bypass Meadow. Oh, it looked so peaceful and so easy. And there weren't all these struggles there. And after all, it lies close to the way, John Bunyan says. Well, the problem is that it's not the way. God has not called us to a life of ease and lying back, but to wrestle with sin and with temptation and to overcome these issues in our lives. If Jesus kept to his path faithfully, if he went to the cross to die for us, and we've been given the same spirit as Jesus. Jesus who can say on that cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we've been given this same spirit of God. Then can't we do the same and not just go into bypass meadow? We in Christchurch, we've been given this same Spirit of God. We've got to be a people who learn to forgive others. Do you remember the prayer the Lord Jesus taught us to say? Father, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin or trespass against us. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful example of Joseph and his love for his brothers. But thank you most of all for the love of the Lord Jesus that he has given to us who've treated him so badly in the past. Lord, please free us from our guilt. Help us not to hold on to fears. Help us to trust 
like Joseph, in your providence. Thank you that you love us and you care about everything that happens. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good night.